Today we come to the end of our series in Proverbs and we're ending with a final reminder of who it is we study when we study the wisdom of Proverbs. Every week in our series uh, so far, we have been, uh, we've been pointed to Christ. Uh, every week we've followed the themes and the wisdom taught in Proverbs through to their ultimate expression in the life and teaching of Jesus, the, the application to Christians today in the New Testament. Uh, in Jesus, all of Scripture, all of God's wisdom is embodied, expressed and fulfilled. Uh, and as disciples of Jesus, we live our lives accordingly. Uh, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 23 to 24, but we preach Christ, uh, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ himself, Paul describing there, is the wisdom of God. Uh, and so the wisdom of Proverbs, the, the life that this wisdom brings, we'll see, is ultimately found in Christ. Uh, this is what we've been seeing throughout this series, but this is not a view of wisdom that's shared by most of the world. Uh, to those who believe the gospel and have been saved by it, Jesus' death on the cross is God's wise plan of salvation from sin, but it makes no sense at all to those who don't believe it. You may have experienced the way that many people today call the cross foolish. Uh, it's a nonsense to believe in a man crucified on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago, to believe that that man was God and that his death and resurrection saves us from sin and death. It just seems so ridiculous to so many people. Not wisdom, but foolishness. It was exactly the way uh, for the early church, too, from the very start of the Christian church. People have made fun of Christians for worshipping a crucified man. A uh, piece of ancient Roman graffiti dated to about 200 AD demonstrates this attitude. Now, I've shown this as an illustration before, and you, you may be familiar with it. Uh, this is called the Alexamenos Graffito. Uh, it's a little bit hard to make out there. It's an ancient piece of graffiti carved into the stone wall of a Roman palace. Uh, the next picture is a, a tracing of the graffiti, which uh, makes it out a little more clearly. You can see the lines there. It depicts a man worshipping a figure on a cross, and that, that figure has the head of a donkey. <laughs> the inscription below it reads, Alexamenos worships his god. Uh, clearly, the artist wants to show how foolish Christians are. How foolish Christians are to uh, worship a man crucified on the cross. We don't know who Alexamenos was. Uh, we don't know who the graffiti artist was. But clearly, the artist thought Alexamenos was a fool for worshipping Jesus. Why would anyone worship a crucified man? Uh, a man killed as a criminal. How could anyone who died a criminal's death be considered a saviour or a king, let alone God and what God would submit to an unjust death at the hands of the ruling power surely that negates their claim to divinity surely there's no power or wisdom in that crucifixion was a punishment reserved for barbarians and slaves it was too shameful a punishment uh, even to inflict on Roman citizens it was the ultimate symbol of weakness and humiliation and yet Christians then and Christians today worship as God and follow as Saviour 
the man Jesus who died on a cross 2,000 years ago. We say with Paul that this Christ is the wisdom of God. Uh, And if that's the case, this is where the wisdom of Proverbs will always lead us. And this is who we point to when we explain the reason for our faith, uh, the personification of wisdom in Jesus. Now, throughout the book of Proverbs, we see wisdom personified in different ways. Uh, There are constant descriptions of people who are either wise or unwise, and their actions are described often in just one or two verses, sometimes in in longer sections, and, and, and the wise are so often contrasted with the foolish. And all along, the hearers uh, and readers are encouraged to be wise or to, to be like the wise person. Uh, one example that stands out as an extended description of a wise person uh, is the wife of noble character in chapter 31. The final 22 verses of the book are devoted to describing this woman, this wife, this mother, who seems to embody so many of the attributes of wisdom and is so admired for it. Uh, Chapter 31, verse 10 there, a wife of noble character, who can find she is worth far more than rubies? Uh, We've seen that expression in Proverbs a number of times, uh, wisdom is more valuable than rubies. Uh, Verse 11, her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings, brings good, she adds value to her husband's life, just like wise living is so often said to bring benefit into our lives. And she's a hard worker, which is a characteristic of the wise person as compared to the lazy person or the sluggard who is a fool. Uh, Verses 15 to 17, she gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it out of her earnings. She plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. Uh, This is a woman whose productivity is prodigious. Uh, Half the verses describe how much she works, how productive she is. And she's a woman who speaks words of wisdom. Verse 26, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. And she fears the Lord. Uh, Verses 30 and 31, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honour her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. This is an incredibly impressive woman. Uh, Many scholars over the years have said that this this woman is wisdom personified. The writer isn't simply describing attributes of a wise person, but is using this description as an allegory for wisdom itself. Uh, Many have said that uh, over the centuries, and that's quite a tempting conclusion, especially because no real woman could ever match the description here. (laughs) Uh, She never sleeps. She's good at everything. She single-handedly has the productive output of a small village and everyone loves her all the time. (laughs) Uh, The perfect wife, mother and businesswoman. Surely this can't be a real person. This must be wisdom herself. But actually, that doesn't quite seem to be the case. Uh, We'll look at Proverbs chapter 8 in a minute and we'll see how different the wife of noble character is, the the way the writer portrays her, from Lady, Lady Wisdom, who speaks to us in her own voice there in the prologue in chapter 8. Now, chapter 31 is a genuine description of, of a wife, a real person, not a specific individual. 
uh, but a model, an ideal representation of a, a wife who embodies wisdom in many ways. Uh, so much of what Proverbs has been describing comes together here. And chapter 31 holds up this ideal, not just to individuals, but to the nation of Israel. Remember at the start of the series, we, we talked about the fact that this is not just a, a, a book to individuals, but to a nation. And, and this, this composite description of what a wise person looks like, it encourages the reader and encourages the nation uh, to apply aspects of this wisdom in the relevant aspects of their life. Not that any one person is meant to try to copy the, the entire description here. No one could. Uh, but wise husbands look to marry a woman who embodies wisdom like this. Wise women look to care for your families in ways that are described here. Uh, all people, if you are wise, adopt these wise attributes in your own sphere of activity. And Israel as a nation ought to uh, live this way, uh, not as the the foolish and faithless wife that they'll be described as later by many of the prophets. Fear the Lord, the writer is saying here at the end of the book. Receive honour, not because you charm people or dazzle them with your beauty, but because you live according to God's wisdom. Now, another reason that the wife of noble character is not wisdom personified is that well, the wife of noble character doesn't confer life. She follows and embodies much of the wisdom of the book. She brings many benefits to her family, but she doesn't bring life itself, as Proverbs so often tells us that wisdom does. Uh, chapter 3, verse 18, says this about wisdom. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, those who hold 10 and 11. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. Uh, those verses come near the end of, of the great speech from wisdom in chapter 8. Uh, while much of the book describes or narrates the actions of wise or foolish people, uh, teaches wise behaviour, warns against foolish behaviour, uh, chapter 8 is one place where wisdom herself speaks to us. Chapter 8 has uh, Lady Wisdom standing at the entrance to the city, crying aloud, imploring people to hear her, to follow her commands, and to gain, well, wisdom. Uh, chapter 8, uh, verses 10 and 11, uh, start there with me. Uh, these will be on the screen. Uh, follow along in your Bible if you have it open there. Chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Why should we choose uh, wisdom over silver or gold or rubies? Because wisdom is, is better than money. Uh, wisdom truly enriches the lives of those who choose it. Uh, for, verse 14, uh, follow from verse 14. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight, I have power. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles all who rule the earth. Wisdom enriches our lives. It teaches us how to live well now. That's something money can't do. Uh, and not only that, wisdom offers a treasure far better, uh, longer lasting than earthly riches. Uh, verse 18. Uh, With me are riches and honour, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. 
I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. Wisdom offers this enduring wealth and prosperity, uh, these, these riches that surpass earthly riches because uh, well, she has been around a whole lot longer than we have. Uh, wisdom has been here since the creation of the world. Chapter 8 from verse 22. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. The wisdom Proverbs describes is very clearly from God. That's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, look down to verses 30 and 31. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. This is wisdom brought into being by God for his glory and for the good of mankind. Uh, so wisdom is to be received and practiced uh, by us as God's people. And God's wisdom urges us then to live God's way. Uh, such an ancient wisdom can tell us how we ought to live. And if we are wise, we will listen because when we find wisdom, we find life. Uh, chapter 8, verses 32 to 36. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me, find life and receive favour from the Lord. For those who fail to find me, harm themselves. All who hate me, love death. Uh, there again is the life that we receive from wisdom. Uh, receiving and following the wisdom of God means life. Uh, to reject wisdom is to accept death. Chapter 8, very much uh, wisdom, wisdom speaking in her own voice to us. It's how the writer has written uh, chapter 8. This is wisdom's voice we're hearing. And ultimately, as we hear the voice of wisdom in Proverbs, uh, we're hearing the voice of Christ. Uh, it's this language, this kind of language, the language of life in Proverbs that forces us towards Jesus and the gospel. Uh, these words, they're brimming with gospel truth, uh, but they need to be read in light of Christ. They need to be read through Jesus-shaped glasses if we were to understand, fully understand the life that wisdom offers in Proverbs, if we were to understand that as the eternal life that God offers in Jesus. Uh, if not for Jesus, the, the promises of, of wisdom in Proverbs w would be quite hollow. Uh, if not for Jesus, what, what could wisdom offer us that, that is beyond uh, this earthly life, earthly riches. What, what can wisdom offer that's better than gold or silver or rubies if there's no life beyond this life to look forward to? Uh, and why fear death if this life is all there is? Well, it's because of Jesus that we know this life isn't all there is. Uh, with Jesus, the wisdom of Proverbs does offer uh, the favour of God, the eternal treasures that are better than all earthly wealth, it all comes to us through faith in Jesus uh, because he is the true and complete personification of God's wisdom. Uh, people were amazed 
at the wisdom in Jesus' teaching. When Mary and Joseph uh, lose Jesus in Jerusalem, he amazes the teachers of the law with his knowledge and insight, uh, even as a boy. Uh, And and then Luke tells us in in chapter 2, verse 52, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. Uh, The end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew tells us this, Matthew 7, verses 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Uh, In Matthew 13, verse 54, the people of Nazareth uh, uh, ask this about him. Uh, Matthew 13, 54, coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Jesus teaches with such wisdom uh, because he is God's wisdom to us. He, he is God. Jesus is the wisdom of God personified. Uh, the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 2 from verse 2, uh, he's talking here about how he strives in the gospel even for those he hasn't yet met. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Christ reveals the mystery of God. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We know God through Christ because Christ personifies the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God's plan of salvation in the cross. And so this is who Paul preaches. Uh, and we come back to the passage we began with. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from verse 18, uh, Paul contrasts power and weakness, wisdom and foolishness. Uh, because many people in Paul's day as today simply deny the wisdom of the cross. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For those who believe the gospel and have been saved by it, uh, Jesus' death on the cross is God's power for salvation. But it makes no sense uh, to those who don't yet believe it. It's always been this way and, and we have the ancient graffiti to prove it. Uh, this contrast becomes as no surprise to God. In fact, God has deliberately acted to subvert the wisdom of this world. Uh, keep reading there in 1 Corinthians 1. Follow along from verse 19 with me. Uh, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. There's great contrast here uh, between weakness and power, between foolishness 
and wisdom, uh, similar to the contrast that we see in Proverbs and, and both here uh, and in Proverbs, wisdom comes from God. True wisdom comes from God. Wisdom comes from fearing the Lord and this wisdom brings life. Uh, the wisdom of God's plan of salvation is Christ himself. Uh, Jesus is the fulfilment, the final and ultimate expression of the wisdom we learn about in Proverbs because it's in Jesus that we receive forgiveness for sin, that we receive eternal life. 1 John 5, verses 11 to 12. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's actually by design uh, that God has saved the world through his wisdom, through his power. It's by design that we can't receive eternal life by our own power or wisdom. Uh, we simply don't have the ability. We, we try by our wisdom to, to find a way to eternal life, to, to fathom the mysteries of life and raise ourselves above the ordinary. We, we try with, with our man-made religions. Uh, we, we try by relying solely on what we can learn and observe with our five senses. Maybe that's, that's it, so let's make the most of it. But whatever we try without God, we'll always fail to meet our greatest need, our need for salvation from sin and death, our need of the life that God gives us. We don't even know that we need salvation without God's wisdom. We can't save ourselves by our own power and wisdom, uh, but God can do it. Uh, God acts to save us in the amazing event of his self-sacrifice. God's wisdom is a person. In Jesus' death on the cross, taking the punishment for sin and in his rising to life again, he gives life and freedom to those who believe. That's what saves us. It's the only thing that saves us. It's the only thing that gives life. Now remember the last two verses of Proverbs chapter 8, Proverbs 8, 35 and 36 again. For those who find me find life and receive favour from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Jesus is the wisdom of God for salvation. It's in Jesus uh, that we find the life that these verses promise. As one, one commentator puts it, uh, the wisdom of Christ is the one and only true necessity in your life. The wisdom of Christ is the one and only true necessity in your life. As human beings, we seem to need to understand and explain everything for ourselves. We, we love to rely on our own wisdom and power. We, we revel in it. Uh, and too often we, we make fools of those who think differently to us. But to be saved from sin and death, uh, we must rely on God alone. Uh, the cross of Christ gives us God's wisdom And so as Christians, uh, as those who believe, as those who uh, recognise Christ as, as God's power for salvation, as God's wisdom to us, well, we shouldn't expect to be seen as wise in the world. We shouldn't expect to have the world simply accept our arguments or adopt our beliefs because we argue for them persuasively. Uh, 
we should expect to be made to appear foolish because of what we believe. Uh, we should expect to join the ranks of Christians like Alexamenos, uh, made to look a fool because he worshipped a crucified man. Uh, we should expect this even when we pull out our favourite Christian academic or our favourite Christian celebrity and think, well, surely they'll respect what he or she has to say. Well, no. <laughs> even then, we should expect people to think we're foolish, think our arguments are foolish, think our beliefs are foolish. We should expect that and in preaching Christ. We should persevere in preaching about this man who is the power of God for salvation, the wisdom of God. All the while praying that those who don't yet believe will be convicted by God. In the last part of 1 Corinthians 1, Paul reminds the Corinthians that they weren't necessarily wise by human standards. God doesn't need those wise by human standards. He shamed the wisdom of the world by choosing those who seemed unwise. And he did this so we would see the wisdom and power of salvation is all from him. Can't boast in our own power and wisdom, we can only boast in God. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 30 and 31. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Like Paul, uh, well, we should say too that we preach Christ, because he is God's power for salvation. He is God's wisdom. He is the one who brings life. And all our lives can be happily devoted to obeying and loving and serving God, fearing the Lord, living by his wisdom, and looking forward to the eternal life that he has promised in Christ. Let's pray. Please pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you for your wisdom and power. We praise you for your wisdom in the cross. We praise you that in your wisdom, your plan of salvation was to send Jesus as a loving, gracious sacrifice on our behalf. That in your wisdom, you made a way for salvation from sin, where we could be forgiven freely through faith in your Son where we could be forgiven and, and not receive the punishment for sin, but instead receive life, freedom from sin and death. We praise you for this, Lord. We praise you for your wisdom in Christ. Help us as uh, we live in a world that uh, does not see Christ as wisdom, which instead sees Christ as foolish, which sees uh, faith in Christ as foolish. Help us as we live uh, in this world, to persevere in preaching Christ. Help us to rely wholly on your wisdom, the wisdom we find in your word, the wisdom uh, we see in your son Jesus. Help us to rely on this alone. Help us to rely on the power of salvation which we find in Christ alone and not on any wisdom uh, or power of our own making. Help us to remember that no matter what opposition comes, the truth we believe is not foolishness, 
but is your wisdom to us. Help us in this to be good witnesses, Lord, to the salvation you've provided, and we pray that in your power you would be moving and changing hearts to come to accept this wisdom and to receive the life that you offer through your son Jesus. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen.